Happy New Year's Eve, listeners. Happy New Year's Eve. Um, I normally really dislike New Year's as a holiday. Mm-hmm. However, I, I think we're all universal in that this is a new year, New Year's Eve, that we are all going to be celebrating and opening the new year with open arms. Let's, let's put 2020 in the rear view. I'm ready. Right? Because as my very excellent uh, Christmas gift from you says, ew, 2020. I can link to that Etsy shop in our notes because that person had a lot of good things. I I also, oh, here, from the same person I ordered this. Hold on. Listeners, I would leave a secret message for Katie while she edits, but I'm Katie. This is a Moira Rose quote. Positively bedeviled with meetings, etc. Love that. I might have to follow the helpful link in our show notes to get one of those (laughs) for me. Yes. To hang, to hang visibly, so that people in my zooms can. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it, we're like YouTubers now, everyone, because of all Basically. the zoom meetings. You need like a good backdrop that like establishes mm-hmm. your situation here. So I've got my little Funkos, I've got my gingerbread candle, I've got so cute something I drew in college, and then suck yeah. I started a thing where I bought like cute little clothespins. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we have like festive holiday string that I have pre-measured to these special hooks on my wall so that we can hang them up. And then when we get Christmas cards in, we can, or New Year's cards in, and just like clip them up to the thing. And it's like, oh, festive decoration in the house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently the Christmas ghost took exception to this. <sighs> yeah, the Christmas ghost took exception. Okay, guys, listen. <laughs> I hope, I hope. Everyone listened to the past episode about ghosts, and I shared my ghost stories. Maybe the ghost heard me share these stories, and it was like feeling left out. I mean, having two kids, there's always one kid. If you're paying attention to one kid, the other kid feels left out. Maybe it was the same thing with the ghosts. Like, hey, I have a ghost who's lived here in this house, and you have not yet acknowledged my presence. So, so as it always happens in the holiday season, I am up late after everyone goes to bed, doing Christmassy things, whether it's like wrapping presents or prepping food or whatever. So I was up really late. So I had stayed up. Shout out to Trader Joe's. So I went to Trader Joe's. Yes, this plays into the story. I went to Trader Joe's. There was a line outside. I was like, do I go in? Because Super Husband really wanted those chocolate star mint cookies. Mm -hmm. And it had been like a full day of delivering like presents in uh, a socially distanced manner. Small Super Husband interjection. Yes. I have not heard it yet, by the way. I have not heard it yet. It's, like, mm-hmm. really upsetting to me. Week, um, week, week five. If we ever have a Patreon, there's going to be a papaya level of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. Trader Joe's. I was waiting in line. Line actually went pretty fast. I go in to get, like, the five things that we needed, but most importantly, those little chocolatey minty star cookies. But they were also selling these really cute Christmas garlands that were made out of felt, and they mm-hmm. had felted this the wool into like these little different colored pom-pom balls are all strung together. So super cute, super festive. You could use it not for Christmas. You could use it just to make it look cute for my, my zoom background. It would be mm-hmm. lovely. So I stayed up late. I put those up. I put up the cards with the, um, with the festive holiday string and the little clippy things. And when I got up in the morning, it was all on the floor. And let me tell you, not because the hooks were gone because the hooks had fallen out. No, no, they were just off the wall. 
the loops that I had tied to put them over the hooky things were still tied. So they had been lifted off yes. of the hooks. Yes. So I really don't know how this happened. Did I interrogate both of the children? Yes. Were you jumping up and trying to grab this? Everyone says, no, this is the way it was when it came down. But it's kids, so who knows? They're all liars. I love them. Don't trust them. So, <laughs> as if this isn't enough later in the day, we are doing festive holiday cooking. While we are all in the kitchen, the coat rack by the front door, which is actually nailed to the wall mm-hmm. above like a little shoe situation. And has been up for years, yes? My brother put it up on the wall when First Daughter was a baby when we moved in and there was nothing on the wall. So it's been up for a while. And we're all in the kitchen, so none of us were over there. And all of a sudden, whoosh, this whole thing just falls to the ground. Ghost? Spirit, I'm acknowledging your presence like a child who is misbehaving for attention. I see you. Your feelings are valid. Please don't tear down any more of my shit. Thank you so please, much. Please be a uh, helpful member of the family like yeah. Thanksgiving Ghost used yes. to be. Can you please talk to Thanksgiving Ghost and learn some helpful ways to get attention? You know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, listeners, welcome to the Wine Times Mysteries mm-hmm. podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm M.M., and I'm here with all of my ghost friends. (laughs) And me and my ghost friends are by Coastal Besties with Katie. And we're here talking about wine. And mysteries. Yeah, we are getting towards the end of uh, the second season. So we're going to have either more Unsolved Mysteries, going back to the classic episodes. We've talked about doing um, that Jonathan Frake show, Fact or Fiction. (sighs) Yes. Um, my thought there would be that we alternate who watches it and then the other person has to guess if it was like a, the real or fake. I love it. Um, I love it. So we'll, so we'll see how we evolve, but there will still be wine. There will still be mysteries. Um, we're just going to keep going because we've been having such a good time. Such a good time. And let me tell you about wine this holiday season. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've gone through my whole stash of at Wink wine because clearly I have been feeling festive. So I actually had to buy my first bottle of wine out at the grocery store, which I haven't had to do in forever because I went through all my at Wink wine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't go wrong with a good Kendall Jackson Sap Blanc. Let's just be honest. True. Very, very true. And it has a twist off top, which is Almost a prerequisite for my house now. Almost. So this episode is called Lady in the Lake. It is the second to last episode of the second season of the Unsolved Mysteries reboot on Netflix. And may I say something about the title of this episode? Yes. I was wondering what it was that was bothering me about the title. Because I was like, that's awfully, I don't know. It didn't really feel like it fit. And then I was Mm -hmm. listening to the morbid podcast which i live uh while wrapping christmas presents late at night like that's what you do you listen to murder podcasts late at night mm-hmm. on your own in your basement while you're wrapping christmas presents yep and they were covering i mean it was an old it was a different case an old case from like the 1930s and 40s from the seattle area katie which is also called the lady in the lake and they started ragging on that lady in the lake story because they were like it the lady in the lake is romanticizing it oh yeah mm-hmm. a bit right because you're and you're linking it to like tales of camelot in your mind and that's not what this is and i think that was a really weird choice of the netflix yeah. team to these these poor murdered women are not going to give anyone a magical sword no so... <laughs> no Mm-mm. um so this episode is about the 2010 disappearance of joanne romaine 
one thing that's a little bit different about this episode than previous ones is that um, the police do not participate. Joanne's daughter, Michelle, is the one that really kind of drives the story and is kind of our main character. And whenever she mentions anything the police do, she says allegedly. So clearly she is currently in litigation against the police. And any shots the police we get are from interview tapes. So if we are talking at all about police officers or anything like that, it's from interview clips that are either um, an interviewer interviewing them uh, years ago a deposition tape maybe i don't know mm-hmm. um but it is you know them looking you know very low <laughs> low resolution video of them sitting in like a room and someone off camera is like please state your full name for the record right so there's a litigious and adversarial relationship here several litigious and adversarial relationships yes. here um and katie where does this take place um, this takes place in Gross Point Farms, Michigan, which is right near Gross Point of Gross Point Blank Fame. Thank you, Seth. <laughs> what I was waiting for. So, of course, the whole time I'm watching this, I'm trying not to think of John Cusack and uh, Minnie Driver, but it was tough going. It was tough. Oh going. yeah, January twelfth in 2010. Joanne Romaine disappears, and we kind of get this establishing. We, we meet Michelle in the cold open, um, who describes her mom as cautious and overprotective. Um, there's a news clip in from that time interviewing Michelle saying, who did your mom fear? And Michelle goes, that's a sensitive subject right now. We get establishing shots of the church, St. Paul Catholic Church in Gross Point Farms, which is where Joanne's car was discovered um, and which is a little ways away from a lake, um, which the police believe she walked to the lake, which is one to two feet deep. Oh, um, OK. And also <laughs> situated near a lake, like it's very pretty where like the church looks out over the lake however when you see the shots you realize that one would have to cross a very large road that was two lanes each way and then there was a big median divider in the middle mm-hmm. and there was no like light or anything there if i'm remembering correctly it was just mm-hmm. the road and then once you crossed all four lanes in that median you would then have to go like down a very rocky embankment yeah embankment thank you and it was steep it wasn't mm-hmm. like you just like walked into the water. It was like steep. And at this time of the year in Gross Point Farms, which is a suburb of Detroit, very snowy. Very snowy and icy. icy. I didn't know until they start showed us the map, by the way. Technically, it looks like Detroit is actually north of mm-hmm. Toronto. Here's when we get our first sort of, it's like, again, it's a clip of an interview uh, that took place, I want to say in 2016, if I uh, noted this correctly, with uh, Chief Daniel Jensen, who is the Director of Public Safety for uh, Gross Point Farm City. And so I assume that means a police officer because he's a chief. He says that the car was found, as we kind of went over, 100 feet from Lakeside. So it was a while away. She would have to play Frogger, etc. It was found at 10 p.m., the police on the scene saw footprints headed towards the water. And then they also talk about butt prints of her like sliding down. That was my favorite um, part of this interview, by the way. The repeated mention of butt, butt prints. prints. Um, and so, they, <laughs> so they, they're like, we think someone has entered the water. We immediately get a bit of a timeline based off of what the police know. And then we, it gets fleshed out as we go. But that night, Joanne had a 7 p.m. prayer service. Um, She did not go home afterwards. That was sort of the last thing that she went and did and people witnessed her there. Then at 920, the police arrive and found an abandoned car. 
Um, they call the house and tell them that your mother is missing. We found her car. Her The other daughter, Kelly, is calling her cell and it's going right to voicemail. The car was locked. There were no keys, no cell. And her purse, which we'll talk about later, was also in the car. <laughs> the lake is freezing. It is half frozen. It is only one to two feet deep. The police are like, she went there to commit suicide. And their family's just like, are you fucking kidding me? If you're going to commit suicide, why do you go to a lake that's one to two feet deep? Like, how do you? Also, how do you? I mean, granted, we never know what's inside, going on inside somebody's True. mind, right? We, we don't know. However, beyond However. the normal, my mother was happy, loving, full of life, lit up a room that you would, you normally hear about, which we did. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the fact that she's very religious and, and Michelle was saying, we're, not only are were we Catholic, we were like very Catholic, and this is something like you you don't she would never do this because that would mean she would um she's just say she would go to hell or she'd be in purgatory I don't know something right but personally I had I had two thoughts the first one was I mean do you ever just think about how you'd spend your last day if you knew it was your last day oh yeah yeah, yeah. I mean going to a prayer service would not be on my bucket list no. <laughs> Cause, because it's like, hey, I'm about to do this thing that you tell me not to do. Peace. Um, right? No. I, like I, you know. no. But the other thing was, um, everything that we heard about her was she was seemed like the consummate church lady. Mm-hmm. Right? Where she was like loving, super cared about her family, super cared about the church. Her was religion. Going on, was going in the middle of the week. It wasn't just a Sunday. Right. This is like a Wednesday, right? Yeah. Um, so, but the other part that goes hand in hand with that of being the consummate church lady is... Uh, Joanne, it was not the kind of church lady, you, you don't get to church lady status by going to church in your jeans and your right? tennis shoes, okay? You hit church lady status, you are dressed to the nines when you go to church. Um, so in my mind, I was like, she's not dressed to go walking and trudging through the snow. I don't care, right. like, yes, you are living in a very snowy area, but she, in my the first thing I thought of was... Bet you she was wearing heels, mm-hmm. and she is not walking through the snowy, icy, muddy ground in her heels to go submerge herself in frigid water. Like, no, 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 yep. no. Mm-mm. Yep. Uh, and they do make a point of that. So when we get to, so um, Michelle has hired a platoon of uh, third-party investigators because she believes that the you know the police think it's a suicide, and they're like done and done. So she hires lots and lots of consultants to help. I was impressed. I was was like, you know what? If Mm -hmm. I ever need to organize something, I want to give Michelle a call. Right? Um, So uh, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, the family is, Joanne was 55. Mm -hmm. um, And then she had three kids, Michelle, who's 29, Kelly, who's 27, and Michael, who's 20. And they all live in the house. Joanne and her husband have separated, so he is not in the picture. And then we also meet Joanne's brother, John, calls her like, oh, Joanne was my favorite sister. She was an angel. She was my best friend. Okay, that um, set off some alarm bells for me. I just have to say, when he, he was like, she's my favorite sister. I was like, so you have more than one. <laughs> What's going on with the other mm-hmm. sister? I mean, at first I was like, well, maybe it's because you know you always speak better of the person who has been disappeared or murdered. Um, but it does get... It reveals something about the state of the more extended family. Um, So, again, the car was locked. um, Purse was there. John said it was a shit show with the amount of people that were there. 
Police said there were no signs of a struggle, nothing suggesting an attack or a crime. The car was towed to the police station at 4 a.m. that next morning. Um, and then we get another interview, which is with a detective lieutenant, Richard Rosati, saying that he fingerprinted the car and it was all smudges, which I think is weird because no matter how much you're using the car or whatever, shouldn't there be some clean prints? So if they're all smudges, uh-huh. isn't that suspicious? And then the person who is interviewing him off camera says, what about fingerprints on the purse? And he goes, I didn't fingerprint the purse. Listeners, you can't see, but I am shaking my head and Katie is throwing up her hand. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you fingerprint the purse? The only thing I can think of was that this purse was very special and it could have been physically difficult and taxing to fingerprint every square inch of this purse because it was so many layers of frilly leather. So so many ruffles, you guys. It's a style. So it's not my style. It is I, not. But I was like, what? that's a bag. That <laughs> that is a bag. Um, I would like to establish and see if you thought the same thing. Mm. This did take place in Gross Point Farms. We are mm-hmm. in Michigan, mm-hmm. but this family red very Jersey to me. Well, <laughs> I very. I, can, I see that, but um, they also struck me again as a family who deeply believed in a lot of black eyeliner, mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm, similar mm-hmm. to the other episode. Um, they read his very Italian jersey. To yes, me. but I just went down a rabbit hole of, is it liner or is it a tattoo? Um, but even in all the photos, like they do show lots of family photos the way that Unsolved Mysteries tends to do. Um, Michelle is quite tan in most of the photos. Yes. Um, the way that, again, this is not, sh- I'm not shitting on Jersey. I'm just saying that as I, I did go to college with many people from Jersey, having gone to college in Philadelphia, and uh, I was their weird pale ghost friend because all of them were going down the shore. You know, they, you know, were devoted to getting spray tans and you know tanning beds and laying out and so i was they were like are you are you sick and i'd be like no this is just what no sun looks like also some of us look that way regardless of whether there is sun or not some of us our family ancestral dna dates back to cave people people who don't see the light they hide from the light some of us burn and fade to pale we do not get it's any red. sort of sun-kissed glow yeah no it is white like white. marble white or lobster red uh, da, 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 da. so they don't fingerprint the roughly purse which is ridiculous um just too much effort too much effort so Basically. um the, we see a news report this time that says the lake also not only was it only one to two feet deep but it also has no current so they're yeah. like, how if she entered the water, how would she get washed away? And I was kind of wondering, I was like, ever or just now? Because it's kind of frozen. I think it's like if you're like in by the shore, you're not going to get washed out. But like once you get fur enough, fur enough, fur enough. Once you get fur enough out there, uh, like the towards towards the river, the like creek? that leaves the lake, you uh-huh. can get picked up by a current there. But like if you're just by the shore and you have a little like toy boat, like that's not going to get washed out. So the news is saying, like, the body should be found. And um, so Michelle says, she gives us some background on the area. So she goes, Joanne worked part-time at a boutique in Gross Point, suburb of Detroit. And it was a tight community. No one ever leaves. Um, It was a rich community. And her mom was a social butterfly, social church lady, lots Mm -hmm. of friends. So at that point, a mass search starts. Um, A three-day search of the area. There's a specialty diving team, even though the lake is two feet deep. Um, they're saying that, like, you can see the ground because it 
it's not crystal clear Hawaii water, but it's not that deep. Yeah. So it's not the Gulf um, of Mexico. So there was a three day search and then the diving team searched for an additional three days and they're like, she ain't here. Did they? I think ain't was part of the official quote. She's not here. She ain't here. She ain't here. here. And we only meet this guy the one time, but he was the director of the technical recovery team, William Robinette, which I wrote down because uh, that's also the middle name of our future president. That's right. Mine and yours, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. He said it was the most thorough search that they'd ever done. We cut back to an interview tape with Chief Jensen. And the question asker is, so there was no evidence that anyone went in the water? And he said, correct. It went in, went in the water? The water, yeah. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. water? Yep, the water. W-O-O-D-E-R. <laughs> so we cut to Kelly, the younger daughter, who says that her mom was not going anywhere near the water. This is ridiculous. <laughs> um, you know, just as a callback, um, Joanne does not fucks with the lake the way I do not fucks with the ocean. Her mom is not going in that water. She's not tromping across the highway. She's not in her heels, which she was wearing. She's not going down that embankment. No. So there was a funny quote I thought um, that was like a news footage of someone interviewing Michelle. And she said, why would anyone do this? She went to church and cooked. That's what she did. Oh, and worked was... part-time in a boutique. Right. But I was just like, you know, I get it. Her brother does say she had such great faith and was so, so, so Catholic that she would never commit suicide, which again, you never know what's going on with somebody, but they did bring that point up. I just think that's also a weird way. If that, if if she was going to, right? Yeah. Women tend to choose suicidal methods that preserve your looks, your body, your looks. Um, like it's right? like sleeping pills versus I was gonna say overdoses, that gross. kind of thing, yeah. as opposed mm-hmm. to the human body is going to, like your survival instincts will kick in and if you're only in two feet of water, you don't even need to know how to swim. You just mm-hmm. you just stand up. And there was no current, so it's not like she was going out into the water, Virginia Wolf style, changed her mind and then was style. oops, I'm caught by the undertow. There was no undertow, right? Right. Very the hours, you know. You know. Um, <laughs> everyone that's super timely, recent movie, The Hours. Um, <laughs> so we also meet uh, a friend of Joanne's named uh, Dr. Nancy Milligan. That Do- I, I wrote Dr. Quite Large because. Dr. Nance. Because uh, call Jill Biden, Dr. Biden. Thank you. A PhD um, is a doctorate. The only person you're allowed who has a doctoral degree that you're allowed to not call a doctor are the lawyers, okay? A jurist doctor, we're awful. You don't need to call, <laughs> don't call us doctor. We don't deserve it, all right? Everyone else, PhD, MD, EdD, they're all doctors. Mm-hmm. Sorry, get over it. So I, I, I like, my pen almost went through the paper. I was like, Dr. Nancy! Um, so she's been, she was Joanne's friend since fourth grade. Again, no one really leaves. It's very tight knit. Everyone kind of stays in that community. And she said she had talked to Joanne three days before disappearance and she was upbeat. And again, you never know what's going on with someone, but she was upbeat and chatting and talk to you soon and everything like that. Um, so at this point we also meet one of my favorite of the consultants. And again, why I was like, Jersey, uh, (laughs) we meet Salvatore Rastrelli. Loved him. an investigative consultant and um michelle goes i i hired sal rastrelli i was like sal rastrelli sal rastrelli lived up the street from me in newark oh my god um and 
Sal's initial intro is he's, he just basically talks about confirmation bias. And he says, you know, the police thought she had committed suicide. So they were only looking at things that confirmed their hypothesis. So, like, that makes sense. Like, if she committed suicide, why would you fingerprint her roughly bag? I, I I still have a hard time understanding why they jumped to suicide anyways. I Like, I still don't get it. Like, I yeah, I, I agree with him on the confirmation bias theory and all that. Mm-hmm. It seems like a big leap to assume that any of these footprints that you are seeing are from this woman. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like it was, there were a bunch of people at the church that night. And it's, uh, that area is not, like, restricted. Anybody could be walking there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> that's when they sort of get into um, Sal shitting all over the police. And I love it. So, Sal. Uh, <laughs> so, he says, they think it's a suicide. Everything after they that is geared towards suicide but he says that the police did not take 90 degree photographs of the footprints so they were and he's like this is elementary for crime scene photos and i was like the shade cell excellent shade cell Mm -hmm. um that school like you when you learn how to take crime scene photos you learn that you don't just take like one angle you take especially like a top down photo and all these things and like they just have it looks like someone just like Whatever angle they were standing at, they were just like, done. Like me so with my cell phone, just like trying to inconspicuously take a photo of something. Basically, yeah. And then um, there's cuts to an interview with Chief Jensen that there was not a confirmed footprint because, again, they didn't take the photos. But it was evident to the detective at the scene that it was a small high-heeled boot, which is what Joanne was wearing. But again, like, well, it was apparent to this dude, so it's fine. It's like, that's not how evidence works, my guy. Also, how can um, you tell it was a boot versus just a high heel? Like, how would you know that looking at a footprint? You definitely wouldn't. Cause, like, Look, if you he think, was like, a shoe expert. He was a, <laughs> a women's fashion shoe expert. He just happens to be on the force. Gross Point Farms. Okay? Lay off. So, the next question from the interviewer, did a footprint expert review the <laughs> shitty photo? And Jensen goes... No. No. Um, so cut to Sal when he does what I very much love. And this is a much better recreation than our Oslo episode where I thought the investigator was climbing on top of the woman. Um, he gets a woman to put on boots. And I was just like, this is his wife? Is this his like regular assistant? It was, I don't know. The fact that he was helping her so much, like not that he wouldn't help any woman, but it, just, it felt very like this is his wife. He's like, hey, throw on these boots. I got to do some science. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would have liked to... And maybe they said this and I didn't catch it, but I would have liked it more if he was like, this person is approximately like her age, her height, her weight, mm-hmm. and then with the boots. Um, but if it's just his wife, that's almost better because it's just like, <laughs> honey, honey, we got to do some tests. <laughs> um, so he gets this woman to put on boots with, they keep saying that it was four inch heels. They, they don't look, look that like tall, inch, but yeah. okay. Um, and so he's like, he, tra- and she needs to traverse the distance down the embankment and um, they're doing this in summer or at least not winter with ice and snow. He throws some wonderful shade again. And he says that chief Jensen must've had a crystal ball to determine oh. in five minutes. It was suicide. You can never determine in five minutes. If something's suicide. Sick burn. You need some aloe? That was, <laughs> that was one of the quotes from Jensen was just like, you could tell within five minutes that it was suicide. Right. And it's like, could you though? From those butt prints? Could you? Um, no. Answer so, no. Love Sal. Love his wife Sal's or his sister, best. whoever that was. Um, and he's like helping her down because she's having trouble in these heels going down the steep stone. 
Um, Because it's definitely one of those things where if it's icy or even it's just steep enough that, like, you could just slip like you slipped on a banana peel quite easily. Okay, but interestingly enough, if we're we're talking science here, right? He scienced the, probably his wife, walking down in, in the shoes. They didn't science the butt prints. I wanted to see some butt print reenactment going on. Well, I think that was what was under, because it was high tide. Well, not like tide, because there are no tides, but the water is much higher. So I think they were like, and the, she would have gotten on her butt right there, but like they weren't. I wanted a butt, re- butt print reenactment. I'm sorry, the, I'm not backing down. 90, where was the 90 degree butt print photos? I, with, Katie, I need you to promise me something. If I ever go missing. <laughs> yes, yes. Number one, it was never a suicide, so like keep pressing. Um, number two. I'll never give up. If I do have a butt print issue tied to my disappearance slash not non-suicide, mm-hmm. I mean, I want them to take the, the 3D pictures of the footprints. Definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if the world needs to know the three dimensions of my butt prints. <laughs> I don't know. You don't want plaster casts of your butt print and having like people I mean, real close to your size sitting in it and seeing I mean, what's going on. I'm, okay, now you've convinced me. I think the world does need that. Okay, okay we okay. do need plaster butt prints of, of my butt impressions. I'll never give up. Thank you. Way. I'll never give up. Thank you. So here's when we get a much more detailed timeline. Uh, at 6 p.m., she drops Michael off at home. Joanne drops Michael off at home mm-hmm. and decides, oh, she looks and she sees, oh, I need to get gas. So. She, at 625, she goes and gets gas. We um, meet the guy who pumps her gas. Also very Jersey to have your gas pumped. Right? It's just, she's a full service kind she's of gal. She's a full service. You know what, Joanne? I respect that. Also, because she's probably going to church and she was like, I don't want to show up at church. I don't want to go to God's house smelling like gasoline. And you know what? I applaud you. I'm wearing, I've got my fancy frothy yeah. purse. I've got my cute heels. I don't want to be. I don't want to touch and... that handle and then touch my fancy bag. We do interview the gas station manager who like knew her. Um, and he said it was a normal interaction. We totally, you know, chatted and everything. Um, and then the way they phrase it is that she must have realized after she got her gas pumped, hey, I can catch the 7 p.m. prayer service. So because she had, was just going to get gas. She dropped Michael off and was all like, shit, I'm, out, I'm, I'm on E. Let me go get gas. And then she goes, I could really easily go to church right now. And because she is the consummate church lady, she goes to church. Um, there's about 10 to 15 people in the service. So it's a small service. Um, it, you know, it ends at 715. So it's not a super long service. So she's there. Um, and then she leaves at 715. Um, and people saw her there. So that's like the last, wit- you know, people did say that they witnessed that her car was there although in a different spot than mm. where it was found, mm-hmm. that she left the church at 7.15. So why was her car still there at 9.40 or when it was discovered? We meet another consultant at this point, Bill Randall, retired FBI agent. And so the first thing he does is he gets cell records. And he finds in the cell records um, that she was calling a security company quite a bit the week prior to her disappearance. And um, leaving a voicemail for them, attempting to contact an investigator there. And uh, they think that she thought she was being followed. So that she had hired a security company because she thought she was being followed. Which opens up a whole new realm of this story because, I mean, I'm not the type of person (laughs) where if I see the same person every so often, like, I'm not going to be like, well, I'm being followed. Like, that's not a conclusion I'm ever going to draw from my life but she thought it was possible she was being followed so maybe there's some shady dealings so there is either it could on. be shady dealings mm-hmm. it could be mental health issues mm-hmm. but here's the thing that i don't get 
Um, so she's living with her three adult children in her house, mm-hmm. right? I understand that they're kids and you think someone's following you. you. You hire some sort of protective service. You don't tell your kids about it. You don't want to freak them out. But they're adults. And if you actually think someone's following you and there's like you're potentially in danger, why wouldn't you tell your adult children about this? Because if they, A, I just would anyways, but B, if they live with you, that seems like you're also putting them in danger by not telling them about it. So that adds another layer of complication there where it's like, well, why wouldn't she want them to know about it? Was it just a protective thing? Mm -hmm. Because your kids are always your kids and you don't want to, quote unquote, worry them unnecessarily. Hey, mom, what's up? Or did she think that it was going to be, is there just some other weird complication there that she doesn't Mm -hmm. want to tell them about? I don't know. And we do kind of get into that a little bit because they keep referring to John, her brother, um, who's her best friend, um, having shady dealings, like having some business failings and borrowing money and like, but they don't say who he borrowed money from. And it's, it's all very, it seems like it's alluding to mafia type things or like loan shark type things. Yeah. It's in the episode itself. I thought was interesting because it was really seeing, they're talking a lot about what the police did wrong, which like, heck yes, they did a lot of things wrong here mm-hmm. but it didn't go super deep into alternate theories it kind of gave it very surface level like maybe her brother's business maybe mm-hmm. her ex-husband maybe i don't know um right. i can't think of another one. Oh, oh, the the you know another family member but they didn't really get too deep in the specifics. So you just have the surface level knowledge of a mm-hmm. couple of things that make you question what really happened. But I, for one, would have liked a little bit more of a deep dive into each of these characters. Right. And I don't know how much of that was dictated by the family. Like, we'll participate at X level. Um, or we can't talk about X because we're in active litigation. Right. Um, I don't know. Um, so... I don't know if this is conf- like this is a more confirmation bias in that Bill says she was calling a security company. So Michelle and John say that she seemed more cautious and nervous leading up to her disappearance. And John says she seemed not herself and a little bit scared, but she wouldn't say why. And so I don't know if that's they heard she was calling a security company. So they're like, yeah, she did seem scared. Or if she actually did, who knows? Um, Bill talks to her boss and a coworker at the boutique. And he said that starting on um, the 7th or the 8th of January, and remember she disappeared on the 12th, um, she started receiving more calls than usual at work and would walk away to take them, which was weird, which I think is funny because that means before she would walk away to take them, she would just be taking them in the office like, hey girl, what's (laughs) up? Oh, she said, what now? (laughs) But now she was walking away to take them like, hold on one second. She also thought her mail was being intercepted. Um, and she thought her phone was being tapped. So that was all stuff that Bill gets from his, his asking around. Um, so back to our timeline, uh, 7.20 PM, a witness at the church, hears a car alarm going off for about 15 seconds and they determine it's her car alarm that they hear. Uh, and then it turns off and because it turned off, the person was like, all right, 15 seconds, whatever. It was a malfunction or someone accidentally hit the panic button, whatever. It's fine. Um, and then at 735, the church driveway is empty. So her car didn't stay there. And like I said, they determined that when it's found, it's in a different place than when she parked for the service. March 20th, 2010. So 70 days after her disappearance, 
her body is found by two fishermen on an island in Ontario. I would like to go to thirty-five miles away. I would like to go to that <laughs> island. It seemed real cool. On Boblo, Boblo Island. Mm-hmm. Um, yet another one of the consultants, Scott Lewis, a PI, says it's a little bit of a stretch that her body would travel that far. And also, he didn't see anything that would point to suicide. Like, if you're going to go commit suicide, why on earth would you go fill up your car with gas? Right. Didn't make Kind of back sense. to your point. Yeah, kind of back to your point of how are you going to spend your last day if this is what you're planning on? Are you going to fill up the car? Yeah. No. No. But then also, I don't know. If, if she didn't get there via the currents, mm-hmm. um, did whatever fool have her, like, really went across an international border with a body <laughs> in the trunk? Like... So I don't think he went to Canada. Um, he, they, whoever, he, they. Amorph- amor- amorphous murderer. We don't know how they identify. Yeah. Um, however, if again, once you're out of that lake and you're out more towards the river that feeds into the lake, there's more currents there. So all he would have to do is get away from the St. Clair Lake and be oh. just a little further out and get enough into the river that it would go down to to Boblo. Um, at this point, we also get uh, an interview with Jeffrey Jensen, who is also a doctor. He did the autopsy. She was in, adva- in an advanced state of decomp, which makes sense. Um, he can't make a de- definitive termination of her time of death. Her body had been on the island for some time because there were mussels and algae, like, on her. Um, he believes the, co- her, the cause of death is drowning, but she could have been dead prior to entering the water. The conclusion is manner of death undetermined. Um, she had bruising on her upper arm that, again, because she was so decomposed, we don't know. He said, could have been de- a person grabbing her. And, and it definitely did occur prior to death, the bruising. Um, Michelle, at this point, does show the roughly purse um, and shows that it's ripped. And she says that she got it recently, so it wouldn't be ripped from age. And that she carried it on the same arm that she had the bruising on. So Michelle's thought is someone's grabbing her gives her a bruise, grabs the purse, and is pulling on the purse and rips the purse. We cut to, again, an interview with Chief Jensen. The interviewer asks about the purse, and his answer is, all of his answers have been, like, a little, like, a uh-huh. little infuriating, uh-huh. but he says, the tearing on the purse is not an evidence of the crime because of where it was torn. If someone was grabbing the purse, they would grab the handles, and this the tear is on a ruffle. And I'm like, or if it's a scuffle, you're just grabbing at it. Also, that purse was 99.9% ruffle, so where are you going to grab? <laughs> right? And... It was just, it's just, why would you look into it? Like, just routine police work it, my dude. Also, I mean, as someone who has been mugged, um, I don't think there's just one way to do a mugging. Like, it kind of <laughs> just happens the way it happens, because people are unpredictable, and their actions are unpredictable. Right? Like, if someone's grabbing for the the, stri- the, stri- the strings, I was going to say. The strings, yeah, the strings on the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the shoulder straps. If they're grabbing for the shoulder straps, and Joanne just happens to go like this, and they get a face full of ruffle, they're going to grab the ruffle. I love how I said like this, because again, this is a podcast, so it's yeah, a visual Yeah, you can see, everyone can see what you're doing. We know, um, we see. But you know, like, cool. you move your arm at all, they're just going to get a handful of ruffle. So it's like, they, anyway. <laughs> I'm so getting stupid. really hungry for some. For <laughs> ruffles that have ridges? Yes. Um, <laughs> so Michelle's thinking that the bruising happens in the scuffle and that, and that the ripping makes sense. She does remind us that the purse was never fingerprinted. 
Um, she says that uh, Joanne's jacket was zipped up in such a way that she never did if she was just throwing her jacket on. Okay, um, can we talk about that for one minute? Yeah. She said that. So so she they started talking about the, the fact that it was zipped up and that she never mm-hmm. zipped up her jacket. And I was just like, it is really cold where they are. Why is she never zipping up her jacket? And then I thought about all of those wonderfully awful uh, Christmas movies that we watch where everyone has jackets and scarves that are never... The jackets are never zipped or buttoned and the scarves are never actually wrapped around their necks. They're just hanging down. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought, well, are these movies somehow based on a reality where there's a group of people who don't actually zip up their jackets? (laughs) Maybe it's like those memes of like, meanwhile in Canada and there's people in snow in their flip-flops and shorts. (laughs) Like you just get used to it. So it's not like when we go super cold places and we're just a little bit colder. And then there's me Um... in a full body parka and a big furry... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or like people and it's like in Florida and then it's like 60 degrees and they're wearing like Gore-Tex, you know? Yes. Like- oh, I do have to say, so my mom got super husband for Christmas. It is, I mean, very thoughtful gift where it is the, um, crap, what's it called? It's like the full face wrap thing that mm-hmm. people would wear where it's like really cold, like skiing, everything. The only thing you can see basically is his eyes. Cause there's like, a Oh, piece, uh, balaclava. Thank you. Comes up to like right here. There's another piece that goes to right here. And I thought to myself, in, in this lovely year of COVID that we've had, where is he going? Where is he <laughs> skiing? Like he loves to do. Like he, like, I mean, most sports he is an avid <laughs> participator in, but especially the winter sports. No, no, no. When when one is raised in uh, Virginia, he's just not a sports guy anyways, but also the winter sports. He's really tried with ice skating, though. It's really tried. Um, I don't think humans are supposed to ice skate. When I see a figure skater, I'm just like, who's this superhuman, you know, I, super soldier? What serum were they injected with if they can do this? <laughs> I kind of feel that way about skiing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've only been skiing. I've only been on, like, one ski trip, and it was when I was a teenager, and I was babysitting some rich people who were going on a ski trip. And so I was babysitting their kids, and so we all went skiing. Um, and I... It seems like one of the more unnatural things that we have come up with it. to do as a human species. I hate it. I hate it so much. Like I hate skiing. I hate, I hate it. It's like we evolved to a point to where we don't have as much danger in our day-to-day lives as we would really like. And so, you know what would be great? Let's get two pieces of wood, strap mm-hmm. them to our feet, and go face first down this mountain. Oh, yeah. So, here's why I hate it. One, I've been on a couple of skiing trips, but not that many. So I realized that if I'm a person who grows up on a mountain skiing, that like everyone, I, I get it. I get it. However, um, when I was in high school, my then boyfriend, my like high school sweetheart person, mm-hmm. um, they were going to like upstate New York, his family, and I got invited to go along. And so we go to upstate New York and to go not skiing ski blading which i had never heard of before have um, you heard of this i don't like the sound of this i'm just stating that opinion right now instead of long skis it was basically like imagine mini snowboards for your feet so much shorter rounded a little bit wider and my high school boyfriend was saying like you like ice skating and i do i can't do much but i can't i and i do think it's unnatural but i can stay upright and move forward and so i enjoy like a leisurely pass around i mean that sounds like ice skating to me yeah yeah you know i'm not doing any axles or whatever but it's fine 
So he's like, you can ice skate so you can do this. I was like, this sounds like, that sounds like bullshit, but I'll give it a try. Because <laughs> um, he's like, it's the same Excuse thing. Excuse me, like, I call bullshit. Your, he's like, you shift your weight the same way. And I was like, that doesn't seem it almost physically like possible. Snowshoeing. I would love, I love a snowshoe. <laughs> Um, because it's basically hiking, like, and I like snow, so I'm into that. I like being able to control where gravity takes me. God, just give me a good snowshoe, you know what I'm saying? Goddamn, or like a tube where, like, you're, like, oh, solid. no, no, no. You know <laughs> that we went snow tubing with the girls and our friends, like, again, I was like, how do I know? Like, yes, I believe in gravity and physical uh-huh. forces. Um good. How do I know that going down this mountain in this inner tube that we are all not going to flip over and break our necks? Can how mm-hmm. I need someone to explain the physics of this? And I saw everyone doing it, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so they're not flipping. However, I don't believe it, and I kept <laughs> going because the kids wanted to, right? And they have like the escalator thing that would like take you up with your yep, tube. Yep, yep. It was super dangerous. The escalator. Younger daughter and her little BFF friend, because they're little badasses, who, they were like six at the time, were like, we're going by ourselves, because, yeah, and they would just, and they would go down laughing their heads off, and I was like, I guess if they die, their last emotion was a, like a good one? It was joy. <laughs> yeah. Like, anyway, so no, I'm not a fan of snow tubing. Okay. Well. But like a snow, but snowshoeing or cross country skating is my jam. And I discovered that on this trip that I was on because, because. Um, so I get these little blades on and high school boyfriend's uncle was a ski instructor. So he was like, we'll meet up with my uncle. He'll teach you how to do it. It'll be fine. And so he's like teaching me how to like shift my weight. And it does not at all work like fucking ice skating. Cause yeah, I don't see that fucking okay. liar. Um, but, and it's clear that my high school boyfriend was bored. And I honestly, if I, cause he was super athletic and was like, had been doing this with his family for ages. And I was like, go ahead. Yeah. 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 Like, please go do whatever you want to do. I'll stay here on the bunny slopes and learn. And your uncle can go back to work or whatever. No man I have ever dated has ever just taken me at my fucking word. And it drives me up a goddamn wall because I don't play games, nor do I set traps. So the fact that it was, he was just like, yeah, but if I leave, you're going to be mad at me. I'm like, I'm physically telling you to go have a good time. He's like, yeah, but you'll be mad that I left you here. I'm like, no, I won't. Because then I would have no one to blame but myself for telling you to leave. Like, if I want you to stay, I'll tell you to fucking stay. Like, I'm not going to set a trap and be like, how dare you actually listen to me mm-hmm. <laughs> and leave. And I'm like, there's no evidence that that would be the outcome. I don't do that. So why do you think I'm going to do? Because mm, you're a woman. Men. So um, anyway, <laughs> uh. So he stays with me and I was getting so, so, um, like I felt like I was ruining his time. Now Katie would never do this, but high school Katie was, did not have the confidence or the wherewithal to whatever. So high school Katie's just like, okay, I'm doing really good on these slopes. Can we go like one level of difficulty up? He was like, sure, let's get on this lift. And I was like, cool. And we get on the lift and I see a fun little sign at the top of the lift that says double black diamond. No, 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 ma'am. I'd be walking, walking my ass down. Slash getting right back on the lift. I don't know. Like, I was like, can you do that? It's like, is am I going to get mashed by a people masher? Yeah. Where, like, yeah, it goes yeah, around? Yeah. 
Um, and I was like, what the fuck, dude? And he was like, no, it's like, you can just go back and forth. It's really easy. It's not that steep. And again, now Katie would be like, fuck this and would leave. <laughs> but then Katie was all like, oh, okay, I'll do it. You said, you said I can do it. I'll do it. Like now, then Katie did not know how to listen to her fear. So, <laughs> uh, start to go down this hill. Uh, and there's people who are really, really experienced, like zooming all around sure, me and I'm like just going do. as slow as I can, but I get to some points where it gets quite steep to the point where I can't, I'm not oh, so, no. I'm not like, like a fucking slalom skier knowing how to control my speed Please or tell whatever. me the ski patrol came and got you and whisked you away. Nope. He was no. your, he was your second high school boyfriend. <laughs> no. So I get like to a point and someone zooms right by me and startles me so much that I trip. And I fall, and I land straight on the top of my head. Um, which, listeners, if this ever happens to you, this will pull every single muscle in your neck. And I was in so much pain, and boyfriend and the little brother were gone, because gravity. <laughs> and I was just sitting there, freaking the fuck out. And I was like, I can't get down this mountain. This is where I live now. <laughs> and I uh, wonder if I can build a fort. I'll just be like the lady in white. I was going to say, trees. kids, did, did you see the crazy mountain lady today? She came out, she was yelling incoherently at us. We all ran away. You could just say her name on the breeze. Um, <laughs> she will appear so in all your nightmares. I do not know how much time passed, but his uncle found me. Oh. And we were walking sideways, sideways down the mountain. Down the entire fucking mountain. Did we pass moguls? Yes, we fucking did. I was just like, never a fucking gun. Yeah, um, yeah. And so the next day, they very kindly returned my rented ski blades we got some cross-country skis, and I went cross-country skiing with his mom, nice. and it was glorious. It was beautiful. They cut a little track for your skis Aww. in the snow, and you just all you have to do is this, and if you feel like you're going to fall over, you just go, bloop, and you just fall gently <laughs> to the side. It was lovely. I saw fucking deer nice. in the snow being beautiful. I saw a bunch of pretty beautiful birds. Like, it was awesome. So fuck gravity, fuck skiing. Um, so my traumatic ski story was that on that – trip that I was on so the first slope that I did that was not a bunny slope when I was doing with these kids went down at once it was fine at the very end of the run there's like this huge hill and then after the end of the course you there's this giant glass wall basically of the ski shop right so if you're mm -hmm. in the ski shop you're going, oh, look at the skiers it's, it's glorious so then like the second time I go down to do that run and so I was like all confident like I did it once I'll do it again my hot body I do what I want so I go <laughs> so I go down and of course I fall on that giant thing going down and it was like a cartoon of just head no. over feet making my own snowball and all I could think of was I was definitely going to roll off the end and straight through that window because there was just like it was just picking up momentum the whole time I was like I'm going faster and faster and I can't stop my skis had like flip, you know flipped off and eventually I stopped I did not go through the window but I was just laying there like well, I think I'm alive. Like, there's that like, moment that's where that. you don't know. I'm like, this is an entirely new experience for me. I don't know if I'm okay. All this is to say that I will gladly go on ski trips with people, but my ass will be sitting in the lodge with a hot toddy reading a book, and I will have a grand old fucking time. We cut to another interview. This one is with a lieutenant. So this interview was in 2015 with a lieutenant, Keith Wazak, who looks shifty as fuck. <laughs> and the interviewer asks about... Did you look into, like, reports of the car moving? Like, that it was parked in one place when she was there at the service, and then when it was found, 
later that night it was in a different place and he just goes no <laughs> why, why would i policing why but he it's one of those things where like you know how they say like if you look like up and to the left or whatever you're definitely lying he look, looks like so fucking shifty um and then michelle says she gave the police a list of possible suspects even though they weren't looking into it um so she says her father david said he was toxic and argumentative and that he was angry that joanne had left him um well the father declined (laughs) well yes he declined to to be part of the show right i i did some googling and i found out Mm -hmm. not entirely true it sounds like he left her okay it sounds like he had an affair with her best friend so he could have done that thing where he technically didn't leave her, but he acted like such a jerk that she had to leave him. Right. In which case, I don't understand why he would be mad that she left him because it, everything I've seen, it looks like he was having an affair with her. I assume by then ex-best friend. It couldn't have been Dr. Nance. No, no, no. Not Dr. Nance. Not Dr. Nance. Okay. No, 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 no. no. Dr. Nance would never. She was a down bitch. Um, so then, um, Michelle says the number two suspect that she gave was the best friend brother. That was crazy. I was like, what? Yeah. If there were, if there were commercials on Netflix, that would have been, would have been the act break of. Right. But not that, not that the brother actually did, but that the brother was involved in some business where, this is where it gets a little far-fetched for me. He was involved in Mm -hmm. some business dealings and people were like, well, if we really want to hurt him, it wouldn't actually hurt him. But we would hurt his sister. I mean, no offense to this guy, but John definitely does seem like he'd be the bumbling kind of dude that, like, did a failed business center and then, like, goes to a loan shark and tries to get in with the local mob. <laughs> well, and, like, his, he's, like, this bumbling dude. His business may have been mob adjacent. So the other Googling that I did on him and his business was that he had a $29 million business where, wait for it, the business would buy contaminated land and then resell it. So I don't know, again, did not get super deep on that. So I don't know if they were actually doing any cleanup efforts before they would sell it or if they were just telling people that they cleaned it and then they sold it and then maybe people were getting mad. Or again, maybe it was mafia adjacent, kind of like, yes, he's in waste management services. I, I don't know. We kind of get the background on that. So she does. So she says, you know, the next suspect I gave them was John Matuk, the brother. And we're like, duh, duh, duh. and then she goes, not that he did it, but because <laughs> blah, blah. and she like explains. Um, it cuts to the most hilarious B-roll, you guys, of John playing pool by himself in like a shadowy office. And he's quite mad at it. Because, like, if you actually look at the pool that he's doing, like, very little goes in a pocket. It's real dumb. And he looks very serious. And, like, like he thinks he's Michael Scott or something. And he's going to be, like, this is his star turn. It's like, what director is, like, this is what, this is it. Shows what a, what a strategist he is. What a thinker. What a visionary. I'm imagining that he was, like, get some role of me doing this. He's a, okay, for, okay, he's a man. Which means he is a singular genius in his chosen oh, yes. field oh, so yes. this will show that he's playing chess in that third dimension by oh, he's yeah. intentionally not sinking oh yeah those balls that's not 
that's not the house rules of how he plays pool. Look, if you're going to um, play my game in my house, you need to know. If you don't know, now you know. Now you know. John actually does say that, yeah, I had some duelings or whatever. And so he goes, <laughs> yeah, they could have gone over after Joanne to get to him. And he goes, I can't control that. He had dealings with certain people. Like that's something he's saying is certain Don't people. we all have dealings with certain people? So suspect number three is cousin Tim Matuk, who is a cop. Uh, they were estranged after uh, the grandma in the family's death, because um, I believe there was disputes over inheritance, as you Google machine. I did Google machine. So Joanne's mom, so Michelle's grandmother, had a $20 million estate that when she died was supposed to be divided equally among her five children, right? And Bill was listed as the executor. So Bill and the non-favorite sister of John, Rosemary, were accused by Joanne and John of stealing their share of the inheritance. Mm-hmm. So we get an interview uh, with Tim that he says, and like this is again an interview tape. He didn't get interviewed for the documentary. And he says that he last spoke to Joanne in October of 09. And so remember, she disappears in January of 2010. Um, Michelle says that Tim called Joanne in the weeks before she disappeared uh, and that they got into a heated argument and that Joanne said to her, if something happens to me, look to Tim. Which I was like, Whoa. huh? I get getting into fights with people, but I've never, like, I've gotten in some knockdown drag out fights with people in my, with like my brother. But at no point would I think that, that his conclusion would be, Katie's going to kill me. <laughs> And, like, he would go to my parents and be like, look, if I disappear, Katie's going to kill me. So I mean, number one, good. (laughs) (laughs) Much like I can't lie, I also don't tend to murder. These are both things that I like about you as a person. I'm a catch, honestly. I don't lie. I don't murder. Hand to God. Wearing a Legend of Zelda sweater. What more do you want, gentlemen? Honestly, Um, I just don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, Bill, the retired FBI agent consultant, says that there was, he, as he looked into the case, he said there's lots of infighting in the family, uh, that John, the brother, told Tim, the cousin, not to go to the funeral. Oh, I mean, that um, was the that right I, call, but still, oof. And that it's always been ugly between Tim and John. Um but Bill also does say that he found Tim credible and didn't consider him a suspect. I liked that. Like, no, I talked to him. We cut to another interview with Chief, interview tape with Chief Jensen, um, that he still thinks it's a suicide. He never believed it was a crime. He lists that because things were so ugly with the family, that that could be a stressor that would lead her to try and commit suicide in a two feet deep lake. FBI agent Bill says he cannot determine, based on the facts, um, what happened. Uh, Michelle has sued Gross Point Farms and others for conspiracy to cover up the murder. Both the suit and the appeal have been dismissed. However, they do include a Chiron that has this quote from the district court judge. There are disputed facts in this matter that are very disturbing and to this day remain unresolved. Um, and that's where my notes end. Where, where I kind of stand on this is so Michelle does say that what she thinks possibly would happen was she gets uh joanne gets snatched around 7 30 when the car alarm goes off 
Um, she gets attacked. That's when her bag gets ripped. She gets the bruise on her arm because she's grabbed by someone or someone's. Um, and they put her in her own car and drive away. Um, and that's why the alarm goes stops going off. And that one witness is just like, oh, it's fine. The alarm stopped. We're mm-hmm. cool. Um, gets driven away somewhere, gets murdered elsewhere, gets dumped into the water near the river so that it gets her body gets swept away. Um, that maybe it wasn't intended to be a murder, but a murder happened in the scuffle. And that's how they decided to dispose of her. And then she does, because with one of the consultants, she does get on a boat and like goes from the lake all the way to where the island is to see where you know how far that was and that's why they think it's so mm-hmm. unrealistic that her body would have made that journey if she entered the water um in the actual you know no current two foot deep lake so that's what she thinks happened and then they bring the car back to the church for kind of forget where it was and just park it somewhere, it was somewhere and it was, look it was a confusing time i was busy <laughs> snatching purses I uh, accidentally killed a lady and I'm just going to leave this here because then people will think that she went into the lake and maybe he put his own butt prints down. Who knows? They did not investigate Um, the butt prints thoroughly enough. It's impossible to tell. There's no plaster cast of the butt prints. Mm -mm. So that could be a reason. And then not that I, you know, FBI agent Bill did think that Tim was credible and I don't want to accuse, you know, hashtag not all law enforcement but <coughs> if he did have something. <laughs> what? A cab, baby. Um, so, <laughs> but if Tim or another police officer did have something to do with it, then that might explain why the police did such a shitty job and like didn't mm-hmm. do like some basic police work, like taking the correct photos or fingerprinting the purse. Because like, how hard is it to fingerprint the purse? Oh, we just didn't do it. It's like, how hard would it? It was in the car. Right. Maybe they botched some things on purpose because they were covering up for a police officer. Yeah. So I'm that's a little, where I kind of I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little on the fence between two separate theories. And the first one being a $20 million state split five ways among five siblings is a lot of money. I think that that is, can lead to some fishy scenarios. Um, but I don't know if it's necessarily still in the family. Like, I think it would give... Other pe- if other people thought that she had just gotten $4 million, it could be reasons for other people to try to, I don't know, kidnap her, extort her, um, mm-hmm. blackmail, like whatever it was. And like, yeah, maybe it was a kidnapping gone wrong. Like maybe they were just going to take her and scare her and I, I don't know, um, try and get the money out of her. Or, you know, is there any world where somehow the inheritance plays into the ex-husband the ex-husband mm-hmm. trying to to get the money from her or maybe then maybe the inheritance is just a red herring and maybe it was just goes back to stemming from things in her old relationship with her husband yeah unfortunately either due to lack of evidence or due to uh netflix not having access to all the evidence um, or active litigation or whatever, you know, that's the end of the details that we get. So that's kind of where it's left in it. And then we get the, if you know anything, please go to unsolved.com. You know, I hope that this gets solved. You know, someone knows something or Seriously. someone does a deathbed confession or is visited by a New Year's ghost who makes it's a possible. Of truth. It's very possible. I mean, my you know, ghost may 
show up at your house. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Wonder Woman shows up with her lasso and oops, I killed her. I'm so sorry. We could put it around Super Husband's wrist and be like, so how much do you like the podcast? So how much have you actually listened to? What's the code word? SH, what's the code word? Do you like tropical fruits? (laughs) What is your favorite? Thank you so much for joining us. We, I mean, typically this is when we go on a wild tangent about something, but I feel like we did that pretty good. Um, <laughs> taking care of business. Check, check, and check. Woo! Already um, done. You're welcome. Thank you for going on this journey with us. Tell us, you know, send us an email at winetimespod at gmail.com or talk to us on social. We're at winetimespod um, on Instagram and Twitter or our individual uh, socials at Katie Haas and at True Crime Wine 69. Tell us what you think about this. Do you think it was a suicide? Um, I can tell you that much. I don't think it was. No, I think something else happened. Um, but tell us what you think and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. For 2021 hey. and the season finale uh, of this season of Unsolved That's Mysteries. Right. So pop so- a bottle. Watch some Netflix, and we will talk to you soon.